May 25th, 2023. We're in Masechet Betzah and Daf Yotet Amud Bet. If you count from the bottom of the Amud up, it's 17 lines up. The second word on the line, the Gemara says, Amar Abaye. If you recall, what, where we began is not exactly what we're up to in this sugya. We began with a discussion, which will continue, but we've developed it into something else, which was about whether it's permitted on Yom Tov, according to Beit Hillel, to bring Shalmei Nedava and Shalmei Nede, which means to say it's a korban, which is called Shilamim, in which the owners, the people who are bringing it, sacrificing it, will partake in eating from the flesh, the meat, but it's not obligatory per se. It's that they've accepted it upon themselves. Is that permitted to bring on Yom Tov or not? On Yom Tov, of course, melachot are in place. Only permissibility on Yom Tov is if it's going to be ochel nefesh. Over here, with regards to the korban shelamim, Ula's interpretation, which we've been following through and testing and dealing with, is that primarily the korban is lahashem, you might be enjoying and benefiting as, as well, but that doesn't permit bringing it on Yom Tov. The Gemara challenged that notion, the Gemara resolved that notion, and then at the top of the Amud, what we learned yesterday, the Gemara had this line, That mahloket between Tanaim, rabbis from Tarm the Mishnah Beraita, which we read about and learned about on Daf Yotet Amud Aleph, is really parallel to another mahloket Tanaim. And we cited a Beraita. In this Beraita, we had three different opinions, Tanakama, Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Shimon ben El-Azhar, each one of them posed specific problems in terms of interpreting them. As we made our way through it, those first two opinions, Tanakhama and, Rabbi, and uh, Rabbi Shimon, the Gemara's understanding quite simply with regards to them is that they do accord with Ula, meaning that their opinion, much as Ula posited on Dafyoteta Mudalif, is that Shilamim, which are Nedava or Neder, cannot be brought on Yom Tov. It's inappropriate, it's wrong, it's asur to bring shilamim, which are nedava or neder, on Yom Tov. But while we were at it, and that's where we pick up, in interpreting what those opinions really are talking about, beyond just bringing korban shilamim, we understood, the Gemara Abaye explained to us, that there was a dispute, there's a disagreement about the halachot of Balteachet. As I mentioned, we know these halachot from the beginning of Masechet Rosh Hashanah, but that's where Abaye picked up and explained that there's a double dispute going on in this Beraita, whereas the first two opinions agree that you cannot bring a korban shelamim on Yom Tov if it's neder or nedava. They disagree about when the Isur of Bal Te'acher, the Torah says, Lo Te'acher Lishalemo, if you uh, promise, if you vow to bring something to the Mikdash as a Korban, there's a cutoff date. After that cutoff date, you violate this Isur of Lo Te'acher, don't bring it belatedly. What's the cutoff date? Now we pick up with that, again, 17 lines from the bottom, second word on line, Amar Abaye. Behakrava kule alma la pelige de share, ki pelige le mekam ale. What the Gemara then presented over here is a mahloket between, Abaye explains, Tanakama and Bishim'on. Their mahloket is again with regards to when you violate this isur, this prohibition of Lote'achel Lishalemo. Uh, well, the Torah mentions the holidays, and then the Torah says there are three regalim. And then the Torah, furthermore, this all being in Parashat Re'eh, tells us what are those three regalim when you'll see HaKadosh Baruch Hu and be seen by Him. What are they? Hag 
Hag HaShavuot, Hag HaSukot. As a result, the first opinion, uh, that of Tanakh HaMais, is why did the Torah mention those three regalim almost unnecessarily? To tell you you're over, you violate Balte Acher, if all three of the regalim go by. Irrespective of when you vowed that you were going to bring this korban, that you were going to sacrifice this, uh, this animal, the halakha is when three regalim go by, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, whatever the order is, you violate Balte Acher. The next opinion, that of Rabbi Shimon, is a little bit more lenient on this matter. He gives a little bit more time. His statement is, no, it's got to be in the proper order. Hakamasot, Hakashavuot, the Torah explicitly says the order for a reason to tell you only violate if it goes in that order. In other words, if you if you vowed to sacrifice right after Pesach, you've got a lot of extra time. You like get the whole year until you get back to Pesach, and then it's Shavuot and Sukkot uh, in in succession, one after the other. In other words, you'll get uh, you'll get five holidays to surpass in order to violate the issue of Batahir, because it's got to be in the proper order. Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. That's the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Continuing, that's what we addressed yesterday. Continuing, we have to address the last opinion here in the Biraita. The last opinion was the son of Rabbi Shimon. His name is Rabbi Lazar. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon Omer. And this is a citation. This we learned already in the Biraita. This was presented to us. This is going to be our third and final of the opinions with regards to number one, whether you could bring Shalmei Nidava on holiday. Number two, uh, what's the proper order, or is there an order? What's the cutoff date for Balteacher? His statement was, Mevi Adam Todato Behakasukot. That was the first of his statements. He then got into details with regards to Todah being brought or whatever. And we'll deal with that a little bit in, in, in a little bit. But his statement initially is that a person can bring their korban Todah. Todah, as Rashi explained to us quite clearly at the top of the Amud, is a korban nedava. It's a korban neder. It's not obligatory. By definition, if I'm being thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm not forced into doing so. Korban toda can be brought on Sukkot, is the statement of Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. Says Gemara Emat, when on Sukkot can you bring again a korban nedava, a shalmeh nedava, something called toda? Maybe the statement of Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, excuse me, Rabbi Elazar, but Rabbi Shimon, is that you could bring it on Hol HaMu'ed Sukkot. Again, maybe his statement is you can't bring it on the holiday. He accords with Ula that you can't bring a Nidava on Yom Tov. It's Melacha. He only meant on Hol HaMu'ed, says the Gemara, Hainu Tanakama. There would be nothing separating his opinion and the first opinion then. The first opinion the Biraita quite clearly told us explicitly, according to the understanding that we had, that you could bring the Korban on Holamoid Sukkot. Again, you couldn't bring it on Holamoid Pesach because on Holamoid Pesach it's Hametz. You could bring a Todah on Holamoid Sukkot. Why could you bring it on Holamoid Sukkot? Because why not? The same way you could do Melacha in other circumstances on Holamoid, so too you could bring that Korban. Is that what Rabbi Al-Azab Rabbi Shimon means? Says the Gemara, if that's what he means, then there's nothing that separates him in the first opinion. There has to be a new opinion. Ela, rather, and here's the key line again, Biyom Tob, Vekasavar Nidarimun Nidavot Kerebin Biyom Tob. 
period. So the statement then, fundamentally, for our sugya, that's the other key line. Whereas the first key line was that according to Tanakama and by extension of Bishim'on, you cannot bring a korban nidavan yom tob. The mahlok it is this opinion. Bil Azabir Bishimon. Bil Azabir Bishimon says you could bring a korban toda, which is a non obligatory, which is an optional sacrifice, not only on Holomoed, you could bring it on Yom Tob of Sukkot as well. We found our other opinion. All right, that's what the Gemara has. Now the Gemara just questions. Now that we've established that was really the primary purpose of everything, but you might remember, we just talked about it, there was another issue which was addressed, another issue which came into uh, our view, and that was Balteacher. What's the opinion with regards to Rabbi Shimon ben Al-Azhar on Balteacher? So we've established there's a dispute about bringing optional sacrifices, those who are called Nedarim and Nedavot on Yom Tov. What about Balteacher? We said there's a mahluk between Tanakama and Rabbi Shimon. Tanakama, just the three holidays, the three festivals, once they elapse, once they go by, Yo'ver on Balteacher. Bishimon says it needs to be in the proper order. What about his son, Rabbi Al-Azhar Rabbi Shimon? Well, you might pay attention to the fact that he talked specifically about Sukkot. If you could sacrifice a korban toda on Yom Tob, he didn't need to be talking about Sukkot. Of course, he's not going to talk about Pesach because it's Hametz on Pesach. But he could have talked about, would you know it, Shavuot. And why is it that he talks specifically about Sukkot? If his statement was only singular in purpose to tell us you could bring a korban nidava on the holiday, he didn't need to say Sukkot, he could have said Shavuot, he could have just said Yom Tob. Umay shena hag hasukot denakat rabil azab denakat. Why is it that he, nakat means to grab, why is it that he grabbed with his words specifically Sukkot? Answers the Gemara, there's a significance to Sukkot in Bil Azab Rabbi Shimon's world. Bil Azab Rabbi Shimon le ta'ame. Ta'am in Gemara language doesn't mean taste, it means reasoning. He is consistent with his reasoning. What's his reasoning? Uh, Gemara tells us based on a Beraita. Before we read the Beraita, I'll reveal the secret to you. It's that his opinion with regards to Balteacher is that there's not three holidays in one order or another. One holiday, that is the cutoff. If you pass that holiday, Balteacher. What's that holiday? Sukkot. Where is he going to derive that from? We'll learn it in the Beraita. It's that it's written, this pasuk, in the context of Sukkot. When the Torah says there are three festivals, uh, you should come to the Mikdash. It's coming right off of Sukkot. Why is it repeating Sukkot to tell you Sukkot is the cutoff point, tells us Rabbi Azab Rabbi Shimon. Uh, so that then we have finished our three-way mahlokir with regards to Balteacher. Balteacher, according to Tanakama, is the three festivals in whatever order. Shimon is more, much more lenient. It's the three festivals in the proper order. And the last opinion, his son, Rabbi Shimon, says Sukkot. Imagine the situation. You decided you're going to bring a neder a day before Sukkot. If you don't bring it on that holiday and a little bit of a few days afterwards, you're over on Balteacher. You're committed to bringing it right after Sukkot. You had a full year until you're over on Balteacher. But that's the way it works for Bil Azar. Bil Azar is connecting Balteacher and Midarim. We've been doing it in this Biraita throughout. We've been talking about both. It, it still is different. He's making two statements. Number one, you can bring the korban nidava on the holiday. Heke. Why does he say specifically Sukkot to teach you another thing? 
What's the other thing he's teaching you? That Sukkot is the cutoff for Baal Te'ache. So you must bring it on Sukkot. You must bring it by Sukkot. By Sukkot. Yes. He's saying even Yom Tov. If it was Holomoyed, he'd be agreeing with Tanakama on that aspect. That's what the Gemara is suggesting. Abaye, more specifically, Ditanya. And here's where we see their opinions fully fleshed out, as the Beraita teaches. Why is it that the Torah repeats mention of Sukkot? It shouldn't have. We were already in the context of Sukkot. There in Parashat Re'eh. The Pasuk, the Katub, the Torah was already talking about Sukkot. Why did it reiterate Sukkot? Lama ne'emar? Lomar aharon. According to Rabbi Shimon, the father, the reason the Torah repeats mention of Sukkot is to tell you it's Hag HaMasot, Hag HaShavuot, Vehag HaSukkot. It repeats it to tell you only if it's last in order. It's a specific leniency. You want time for your Korban? You want to know the cutoff time? Sukkot is the last of the holidays. I'm writing it, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, implicitly in the context of Sukkot. I'm repeating mention of Sukkot to tell you Sukkot is critical. Critical in what respect? Has to be the order of the holidays cut off by Sukkot. Very lenient. Far left liberal opinion would be Shimon. Rabbi Lazab, Rabbi Shimon doesn't take a middle approach. He takes the far right approach in this. He's very conservative. His approach is, it's not that you have the festivals in any order. It's not that they're in a specific order. It's that Sukkot. And only Sukkot is my cutoff for Baal Te'acher. That's what he says right over here. It says, Beraitar, Bilazab, Rabbi Shimon Omer, Lomar, the reason the Torah repeats Sukkot in the context of mentioning all the holidays, after it had already been talking about Sukkot, Sheze Gorem. Gorem means causes. Sukkot specifically causes to lock in, to take effect, this isur, this prohibition, this violation of Baal Te'acher. To summarize then what we had in our Gemara until here on this full Amud, we established a mahlok and a dispute amongst the Tanaim. You have on the one hand, Rabbi Shimon and Tanakama, who their opinion is, as we saw on Amud Aleph, Ula told us this, you can't bring a Korban Nidava on Yom Tob. And on the other hand, the opinion of Rabbi Azab Rabbi Shimon, who's lenient on that matter, ironically. His opinion is you could bring a Korban Nidava on Yom Tob. We saw that in his words, that you could bring a Todah on Sukkot. Additionally, we have a three-way mahluk, and not two versus one, with regards to Balteacher. Tanakama says Balteacher is violated when the holidays go by, the three holidays, in whatever order. Rabbi Shimon is the most lenient. He says it has to be the proper order. Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. Sukkot needs to be the last of the three. And then, whereas he was most lenient with regards to bringing sacrifices on the holiday, he's most stringent with regards to Balteacher. It's Rabbi Shimon's opinion, Sukkot and only Sukkot is the cutoff for Baal Te'acher. Okay, we have a few more words we have to finish flashing out with regards to Bi'al-Azab Bi'l-Bi Shimon because he mentioned as well these words. There are five lines from the bottom now, just a few words before the end of the line. Bi'oseba mishum simcha ve'eno yoseba mishum hagiga. You might recall his final words, Bi'al-Azab Bi'l-Bi Shimon, went as follows. If a person brings a korban todah, he can use that todah, which, keep in mind, was from his own volition, his own goodness of heart, his own thankfulness to God. He decided he's going to bring this korban. He's obligated from whatever he said he's going to bring it. But now it's the holidays. He says, you know, I had to bring this anyway. Let me use it for as well. 
What do you want to use it for as well? You can use it for your obligation of shalmei simcha, we said, but not for your shalmei hagiga. What's the difference between the two? Where shalmei simcha, the Torah never specifies, you need to separate, you need to distinguish a korban, you just need to be festive, we understand it's with flesh, with meat, and from a korban, you could use your todah, which you're already obligated in, but use it now to fulfill this other obligation. Alternatively, in contrast to that, Korban Hagiga is not so. The Torah says, It needs to be specific, particular. You're not changing, you're doubling it. So the first person to disagree with the first one to disagree with you is Rabbi Azab Rabbi Shimon. And he gives his reason why he disagrees with you. He says, the Torah never said it needs to be your item which you're sacrificing to God. The Torah just says you have to rejoice. Your claim is, I have to bring something for... It's not what the Torah says. The Torah says you need to rejoice with God. You need to rejoice before God. With your Korban Torah, why not? Uh, but it's not a Shalmei Simcha. Uh, who said he needed a Shalmei Simcha, which was specific? That's his point. Your claim is right for Shalmei Hagiga. That's exactly his point. Says the Gemara, but wait a second. On the flip side... Charlie's, uh, Charlie's uh, uh, annoyance with the opinion is true with regards to Korban Hagiga. Korban Hagiga, of course you can't bring. Uh, if, if the Torah says, If the Torah says you need to separate, you need to sacrifice something as a Korban Hagiga on the festival, well then why would you have thought you could bring your Korban Torah? It's not yours any longer. Once I separate that animal, once I say that animal is, is Kodesh, that's not mine, it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's. Peshita says the Gemara, it's simple that I can't use my Torah for my Hagiga. Davar Shebachovahu, it's an obligatory circumstance. I'm obligated to bring a Korban Hagiga. Rashi cites the Pasuk, two lines from the bottom, Rashi says, Torah commands, God tells us specifically, you need to bring a Korban Hagiga, the Kodavashibahova, back in the Gemara, Enoba, Elaminahudin, and the Halakha is if it's an obligatory um, circumstance. If God says, if anyone says to you, bring this, from your item, well, it's got to be from your item. You can't use it from something that's his already. I said, you know something, could you please bring a gift to my party? And you show up at my house and you pick up a vase from the table and you say, here you go, Rabbi. What do you mean? I asked you to bring something for me. It's a davash That was part of the prerequisite. That's part of the entrance in, into my home for the party. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you got to bring a korban hagiga. You bring a korban hagiga from that, so to speak, which already belongs to him, which you already separated as a korban toda. It's pashut that it's not okay. Says the Gemara, there's got to be a Hidush in the words of Bil Azab, Bishimon. He must be telling us something that we wouldn't have known. La Sericha says the Gemara, two lines from the bottom. It must be the Af al Gav de Parish. It's even if Parish, Milashon Mefurash, even if he explicitly stated so. What does that mean? It means the following. As I decide, things are good, I'm very thankful, life has been great, I want to bring a korban toda. I separate the korban toda, and as I do so, I say this korban toda will not only be a korban toda, I'm also going to use it as my korban hagiga. Is that okay? At the moment that I separate, it's not that I separated it, so to speak, it's already God's, it's the vase on my table. No, 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 no. As I separated it, 
In other words, you decided earlier in the year that you were going to buy me a present. You bought me the present, but as you bought it, he said, and I'm going to bring it to him for his birthday present as well. Not only for being thankful in this situation. Is that okay? That's the Hidush of Bil Bishmon. Look at Rashi's words. De Keshinadar Hatoda, just a few words before the end of the page in Rashi, when he made the nede, the vow, the obligation of the Korban Toda, Piresh, he was explicit. Quote, Al Menat, I'm doing this on condition, Hagigato, that I can fulfill my Korban Hagigawate. It's, that's an interesting point. The way it works when you make a, a tenai, a condition, which is invalid, is the condition falls off, but the ma'asek st- continues. So in other words, the, the vow stands and the condition will say, yeah, that gets discredited. But that's the statement then in the Gemara. So it says the Gemara, la sericha, two lines from the bottom, de parish. Now the Gemara supports this idea. The idea again being that if I make an inappropriate condition in the context of Separating a sacrifice or committing myself to a sacrifice, well, the condition is not only inappropriate, it's insignificant. It means nothing, it falls away. Uh, how do we, where else do we find this? This is similar, the Gemara says, to the question that Bishimon ben Lakish posed to Rabbi Yohanan. He had a twofold question, which amounts to the same point. If a person says, so the statement is initially, in one case, here is my toda. I'm accepting it upon myself. Harezo uh, is, excuse me, hare alai is the acceptance of a neder. And I'm saying, but I want to be yotze with this toda, my korban hagiga. That's exactly what we've been talking about. Alternatively, same idea, however. Hareni nazir va'agaleach mima'ot ma'asir sheni. Mahu. What does it mean that I'm a nazir va'agaleach mima'ot ma'asir sheni? When a nazir, a person, the Torah describes in Parashat Naso, who accepts upon himself several obligations, not to, eat, not to drink wine or grape products, not to become impure, in contact with dead and to raise and to grow their hair without uh, cutting or shaving it in any way. But when they finished that process, whatever amount of time they committed themselves to, they finished it successfully. They need to, the Torah says, bring three korbanot, a korban ola, a korban hatat, and a korban shilamim. And that's what they need to bring. Now, at, when they bring them, after they bring them, they then shear their hair. There's a process to that as well. That's why we say uh, over here, va'agaleah. Va'agaleah is a reference to the end of the process of a nazir. It's not that the shaving per se is connected in that respect. It's the way you talk about it. On the shaving day, I'm going to bring, when I shear off my hair, I'm going to bring these three korbanot but listen to the words from ma'ot ma'asir sheni. I'll bring it from money which is dedicated to ma'asir sheni. We know ma'asir sheni. On years one, two, four, five of the Shemitah cycle, a person needs to bring a tenth of their possessions to Yerushalayim and uh, eat, uh, not possessions, a tenth of their produce and eat it there and rejoice together with their family with that. Now you want to dedicate, you redeem it. Uh, so let's say the value was a thousand, ten thousand dollars. I redeem that with money. And so now I have money in place of the fruits and vegetables and, and, and produce. I have money and I want to use that money 
together with that money to buy and to procure the korbanot for my nizirut. I say, it's such a beautiful opportunity. I'll couple the money, which is already for ma'azir sheni. I'll save some money along the way, but I'll make a double misvah situation. With that money, I'll buy these korbanot. What's the halakha in each of these situations? Effectively the same question. Again, the question is, can I do a korban toda on condition that I'll bring it as my hagiga? And number two, can I use my ma'asir sheni on condition that it will be um, it'll be used for the korbanot as a nazir. Uh, what did Rabbi Yohanan answer Lakish? Amarle nadur ve'eno yose nazir ve'eno megaleach the neder is hal, the neder takes effect with regards to the todah, but it's not going to help you fulfill anything with regards to your hagiga. That needs to come from hulin. He's a nazir when he accepted the nazirut in such a fashion. But he can't use the ma'aseh sheni on the uh, shaving day, on the day in which he's bringing the korbanot. That's the halakha with regards to these cases. What's the principle that underlies this? To say it just succinctly before we talk about the principle. To say it succinctly, the concept is that a person cannot take for an obligatory circumstance from something that's already or in the midst of being dedicated to another obligation. I'm dedicating this to ma'asir sheni, I can't dedicate it as well to the korbanot of a nazir. I'm dedicating this to be a korban todah, I can't use it as well for a korban hagiga. Why not? Why not make such a condition? Conditions could work. Rashi, if you take a look, two lines from the top, Rashi says, nadur al hatodah ve'eno yoseh ba'yedeh hagiga nazir ve'eno megaleh mima'ot ma'aser ila minahulin. Those are the halachot. Now Rashi explains three lines from the top, last word on the line. De'kevan, that since de'amar hare alai, once those words came out of your mouth, behold, it is upon me. Those are the words that we call neder. Nithayev, you're obligated immediately. It's no longer in your possession, whatever you're talking about. The animal, the obligation of the animal, the money. Those are very important words. Those come from the Gemara and Masechit Kiddushin and Kafchet. The statement is when a person makes a statement, Amira la to the heavens, I make an obligation with my mouth. It's It's as if, if I was dealing with a human being, I handed them it. What does that mean? If I'm in a commercial deal with you, if we're doing business, and I hand you something, it's no, no backsies. Once it's yours, the deal is done. Unless there was some sort of defect in this deal, the deal is done. I can't come back and say, hey, I changed my mind. That's the way it works with human beings. With human beings, alternatively, if I say, you know something? I'm going to give you this as a deal. That's not obligating myself. I could change my, I change my mind afterwards. When it comes to hedyot, when it comes to human beings, I have to actually hand this person something and then you can no longer take it back. When it comes to gavot, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, amirato la gavot, kemesirato la hedyot. Just saying, hare zohektesh, just saying, hare alai, that in and of itself, it's as if you handed it, quote unquote, into the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's no taking it back any longer. Therefore, explains Rashi, Vechi Hadar Amar, if you then afterwards, again, I said, Hare Alai Toda, done. The animal that you'll choose or was chosen is already God's. Vechi Hadar Amar Al Menat, if you then afterwards say, but on condition, 
Lav miltahi. It's not a something. It's nothing. You can't do that any longer. I make a deal with you. I hand you the item and I say, as I hand it to you, it's in your hands. I say, oh, this was on condition that. You say, on condition that nothing. It's already mine. That's the statement here in our Gemara. Well, no, quite. You have to ask the question a little bit differently. I'll, I'll tell you how you have to ask it, but I'll tell you why the way you're asking is not correct. The way you're asking is not correct because the condition, if you didn't make a condition at all, so, so then, no, then there's nothing. And I, was, I hand you the item. I never made a condition. And then I said, oh, wait a second, but uh, it was only if you uh, were to... to what if you say this, this uh, What if alternatively you make the condition first and then you say, Hare Alai. Do you understand? That's, that's, I think, what you're getting at. The issue, according to Rashi's interpretation, our Gemara, is that once I said Hare Alai, it's as if I put it in the hands of God. All right, I don't say Hare Alai. I say, Al Menat, on condition that it is a Hagiga, I am accepting this neither of Korban Toda. What if I say it like that? That, that's an interesting question. If you go in the opposite order, and I was I didn't hand you the item yet. Before I hand you the item, I say, on condition that you pay me or you do these favors for me, I'm giving this to you. Of course, that takes effect. If I gave you the item and then I say, it doesn't work. Tosafot makes this point explicitly. If you were to flip the order, and they'll prove it from the Gemara onward, but if you look at the Tosafot before, uh, at the top of the Amud, Nazir ve'enomigaleach says, Tosafot vidavka, and this is specifically and only, Dika'amar hacheh, that you said it like this, meaning in the order that, Hare alai, the neder, and then the almanat, then the condition, Aval, Imamar ipcha, if you did it the opposite way, Hevech means opposite, Quote, al menat mishum hagiga. You first say the condition, on condition that I'll fulfill with this, a korban hagiga. Hare alay toda. If that's your unquote, that's your statement, look, in such a circumstance it would work. There's no problem. It's not that it doesn't take effect, it would take effect. Vechen ben Nazir, and so too by Nazir. Tosafot says, and he thinks that, that they think, that's why we have the continued words in our Gemara, which we'll learn in just a moment or two. Okay, but just to summarize then the statement, it was a question of Resh Lakish to Rabbi Yohanan. Resh Lakish posed this question to Rabbi Yohanan. If a person makes a neder, be it a korban toda, that he wants to transform into a hagiga afterwards, or alternatively, it's a ma'aseh uh, sheni, or, or excuse me, korbanot of nazir, which he wants to use his ma'aseh sheni for. Once you accepted the nizirut, once you accepted the neder, you can't now put conditions to it. It's done, it's finished. Tosafot, basing themselves probably on the logic of Rashi, explained to us that it goes like this. It's specifically because with your initial words, it's out of your possession. If alternatively you make the condition first, that could and perhaps should work. Says the Gemara, we have a similar, without telling us why they're doing this, but it seems clear, we have a similar reality in a story that took place. A short story. Hahu gavra de amar lehu. Hahu gavra means there was a person. A given means a man. There was a man. De amar lehu who said to them. Who's them? The people around him. Rashi, and very tellingly, Rashi tells us, Hahu gavra, the first uh, narrow, second narrow line of Rashi, mitzvah mehamat mitahaya. Rashi, without telling us how he knows this, says, this was a final will. 
this is on a deathbed. That might be important. I don't know that we'll address it today, but that's important. Rashid didn't tell us how he knows this was a death will, uh, a, a statement of, we call it divre shechiv mera, a person who's on their final breaths making a statement. But that's what Rashid told us. It's important to note for the flow of the Gemara. But anyway, hahu gavra amar lehu, havu le arba mea zuze liploni. You should give 400 zoos. That's, uh, that's a decent amount of money. Uh, we give to our wives with a ketubah, mataim uh, zoos. Of course, we give in, a, in, a, in addition to mataim, but 200 zoos is already somewhat of a significant amount over here. 400 zoos should be given liploni to a person. Vilinsiv, and he should get married, barti, to my daughter. Now, the person said it as somewhat of a condition, but listen to his words. He said, give the money, and then he said, and he should get married to my daughter. What happens? Does he get the money if he doesn't get married to the daughter? Yes. Says the Gemara, Amarav papa arba mea shakil, ubarte iba'e nasiv, iba'e nasiv. Shakil means to take, to grab. The man can take the 400 zoos, and his daughter, iba'e nasiv, if he wants, imrotze nasiv, he can get married, iba'e nasiv. If it wants to, doesn't want to get married, doesn't need to get married. Ta'ama, the reason over here of Rav Papa in being posek halacha like that is De'amar, because his wording was Havule, give him vilinsiv, and then he stipulates. Aval, however, if he does it in the opposite order, and now you'll understand what I refer to, if you'll marry, I'mar linsiv, get married, ve'havule, and then I'll give you the money. In that situation, it's the opposite, or it's what we'd expect. It's that he fulfills the condition, he gets the money. If he doesn't fulfill the condition, he doesn't get the money. You see, that's what Tosafot was referring to in the next words that, I was, that we were reading at the top of the page. In other words, Tosafot was articulating, they said, on the last sugya, the first two lines of our Amud, we were talking about when you're speaking to Akadosh Baruch Hu. Says Tosafot, depends what your ordering is. Did you first commit yourself and then stipulate, or did you stipulate and then commit yourself? That's what Tosafot said, it stands to reason. And then they say, and it's two lines from the top in Tosafot, and you should know, that's what we think the continued lines of the Gemara are really teaching you. Because the sugya tells us, and that's what Rashi writes. Knows these next words seemingly reveal a detail that we didn't flesh out earlier in the, in the, in the conversation between Reish Lakish and Biohanan. And that is that if the condition is stipulated initially, it's fulfilled, it's in effect. If it's said afterwards, it's not. You see, the words of Rashi, I can quickly mention, might be very telling over here because whereas when we were talking about Nedir, we had this interesting concept. When you say the words, the item is already in the possession of God. All right, we understood. You say the words, this is a korban todah. Kadosh Baruch Hu grabs it from you, not physically, and he says, thank you very much. He says, on condition. Sorry, it's already in my hands, right? In this case, though, you don't have that. In this case, it's a person to a person, and it's just speech. He didn't hand the money to the man, he just said those words. That's, according to many, why Rashi says he's on his deathbed. Because the halakha with regards to divre shechiv mera, a person who's on his deathbed, is that he doesn't need the same types of kinyanim, the same types of uh, legal procedures in order for it to go into the possession of another person. We say divre shechiv mera ketuvim misurim dameh. They're almost as if they're written down and handed over. Doesn't mean that he can't take it back, 
but they have a specific power. When a person's on their deathbed, the words the rabbis say uh, take a stronger effect than when he's living and strong and capable. On his deathbed, he has a full simichutat. His mind is fully committed to it. It's for that reason, maybe specifically, that Rav Papa was posek that way. Rashi might be telling us because he's a person on his deathbed. Lastly, the Gemara concludes this whole issue for us, and it says, Yativ meremar ve'ka'amar lehashma'ata mishemeh denavsheh. Yativ means sat. Meremar was the name of one of the Emoraim. Ka'amar, he said, lehashma'ata, this teaching, mishemeh denavsheh, on his own. Uh, so here's the circumstance. We just learned Resh Lakish asked Rabbi Yohanan a question. Resh Lakish, if you recall, said one of two questions. We'll mention the first one. You'll remember the second one by Nazir. He says to him, if you, t- if you separate something as a korban n- uh, toda, you make a neder of toda, can you then transform it, even with your words, into a hagigah at the time of doing so? And Rabbi Yohanan responded, no. Menemar taught a class. In the class, he didn't teach Resh Lakish, Rabbi Yohanan, he didn't know about any of that stuff. He taught this halakha, he taught this sugya on his own. He said, if a person at the time that they separate or they make the statement with their words that they're going to bring a korban toda, say that it should be a far hagiga, it doesn't work. Amar le ravina le meremar, ravina turns to meremar, he says to him, atun, you, in plural, hache matnitula. This is how you teach it. In other words, you teach it as a statement on your own. You walk into my class and you just came from a raging debate down the block in another synagogue. You walk in and you say, Rabbi, could you talk about this? Sure. I could sit, stand up, and I make the statement clean and clear, no back and forth, no raging debate. You say, Rabbi, that's not the way I heard it down the block. Down the block, it was a question, it was an answer. Over here, it's just a statement from you. And so that's what happened over here. So Ravina says to Menemar, Atun matnitula. This is how you teach it. Anan, but we, we have it uh, a little bit different. We have it as a question of Resh Lakish, Hanan, and the Halakha. Why does the Gemara mention this at all? I'm not fully certain. What I can tell you, though, what I take out of this is, it's almost a letdown, but maybe I'm reading into this. It's a letdown of, uh, uh, as Meremar, excuse me, as, as Meremar says this, it's almost as if Ravina is a little let down. He had seen the action. I'm putting myself in his shoes. He had seen the action in the other Midrash. He heard Resh Lakish asking the question to Rabbi Yohanan, Rabbi Yohanan's answer, and then he just hears Meremar teaching it in such a fashion. And he says to him, you should know, this was a very exciting issue. You did state it, state it properly, but it lost a little bit of its life in terms of the give and take. But ultimately speaking, that's how our Gemara concludes with regards to this halakha. If a person, as we learned already from Rabbi Lazab, Rabbi Shimon, we just fine-tuned it, we sharpened it. If a person wants to take their korban toda and dedicate it to a korban hagiga, it's not okay. You can't do so. Why not? First and foremost, kol davar If you are obligated to bring something, you can't bring it from something that you're all already obligated, so to speak, already out of your possession. That's even if you stipulated at the time that you made that obligation. You said, this is, I'm accepting a toda on condition that it'll be a hagiga, still not okay. Tosafot, the sugya afterwards, seems to tell us if you alternatively said in the opposite order, you first said the condition, 
then you accepted the obligation, it would be sufficient. What's the halakha, very briefly, uh, with regards to ma'asir, if you want to use your ma'asir money uh, for a mitzvah in the knis or something of that sort, is it the same thing as over here? After all, the issue in our sugya is only when you made a stipulation. Your words were a commitment. What if uh, you didn't have those words? The way Taz writes this in his commentary to Shohan Aruch, it goes as follows. If they're selling aliyot, if they're selling mitzvot in the knis, if your mindset initially, so to speak, your tenai is there in the, in, at the onset, is I'm going to use my ma'asir money, a tenth of my, of my gains. For this, well, that could be appropriate. If alternatively you commit yourself to the aliyah, to the mitzvah, and only afterwards you say, oh, by the way, I had that money. I'd like to use that money for it from ma'asir. In that situation, Taz suggests, again, basing himself on this sugya and others, that would be inappropriate. That might be one practical ramification of this sugya. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.